Jesus had a friendship with two sisters. We know them as Martha and Mary, but in their own tongues, they were probably pronounced Martha and Mara. Sounds like two sisters, doesn't it? Martha and Mara almost sound like twins, but I, I doubt if they were twins. Martha gives every indication of being an oldest child, and Mary seems very consistent with being a youngest child. I really think Lazarus died because he couldn't stand being in the middle all the time. <laughs> now, these two sisters are not alike. As with all siblings, they are distinct and delightfully different, and sometimes to each other, madlingly different. But their parents had given them sister names, Martha and Mara, and they have the same blood in their veins, and they share the same childhood memories, and we find them under the same roof. They really belong together in their differences. Together. But our story today finds them apart in separate rooms. Mary has gone her own way, and Martha has gone hers, and they're in separate rooms, and one of them is mad at the other for being different. Now, as I read this story, I read it on two levels. On one level, this story is about two real women as archetypes for all of us, men as well as women. They have classically different styles and make different choices, and Jesus has something to say about the choices that they are free to make and the choices that they are free to let each other make. On another level, this story really is like a parable of my own life. Jesus comes to my house and finds my soul divided into two parts. One part wants to manage and rage and do just like Martha, and the other part wants to be still and listen and reflect and just be like Mary. One part is active and one part is passive. One part is longing to pray, and the other part says, Ann, time's a-wasting. One part of me wants to run like a derby horse, and the other part wants to retreat like a monk. Jesus has come to the house to sit down with both halves and teach them how to hold hands, to integrate them into a real sisterhood. I bet when they were little girls, they played together. Martha and Mary played together, different, different as they were. I bet they held hands and they played together and they skipped together and they sang together and they did that little child circle dance together. And today Jesus has come to reunite them. I know a woman whose name is Mary Martha. It's always pronounced as just like one word, Mary Martha. Most of us feel a little more like one or the other. A little more like Mary, a little more like Martha, but we feel the tug of the other one. Now, at times, these two parts of us are not kind to us. Sometimes, they don't even speak to us. But Christ has come to make us whole. Maybe to teach us how to wear the integrated name, Mary Martha. Now, let's do the story.
Jesus and his disciples have come to town and Martha welcomes them into her home. Now Luke says it is Martha's home and maybe it's literally her home and Mary just comes over a lot which kind of made me think it was a little bit like Roseanne and Mary was a little bit like Jackie but I decided I didn't really want to think about it like that. <laughs> or maybe both of them live in that house but it's called Martha's house because she does most of the work. Either way, it's fitting to call the house Martha's house because Martha's part is dominant. In our part of the world, she represents hands-on management, taking charge. She is the bustle of movement, a flurry of initiative. Martha is a fixer and a doer, a type A personality. Now here in the Western world, it's the Martha construct that we value the most. It's the Martha construct that we put all of our hopes in to take charge and solve our problems and save the world. In America, we want all our systems and institutions to be Martha's house. What hopes can we really place in the Mary construct, the way of stillness, listening, reflecting on the words of God? I have heard my own life state a clear preference for being Martha's house. So she's the one who welcomes Jesus when he comes to the door. He knocks on the door and he embraces her and she embraces him. Oh, thanks for coming. Thank you for asking. Dinner's not quite ready yet. Oh, but it smells great. Come on in. Let, let's go in the kitchen and let me help you while we talk. Okay, okay. Stop there. He didn't really say that. I don't know. That part's not in the story, but don't you think that's what Jesus would say? I mean, how could the incarnation of God not know his way around the kitchen? And how could Christ not be a pretty good cook? And didn't he say, I came here not to be served, but to serve? Which really means there's a whole lot of Martha in Jesus. But she says, oh, no, no, I wouldn't think of it. You just sit down there on the couch and rest for a while. Here's the newspaper. Have a glass of tea, and I'll call you when it's ready. Well, Jesus is a good guest. So he smiles, and he lets her have it her way. Mary's there, too, and he embraces her. And when he sits down, she sits at his feet, which is really rather bold of her. You know, when we think of Mary, we think of her as rather passive and demure, but what she did here showed a whole lot of moxie. She's not there for small talk. She's there to be taught. You do, to sit at a rabbi's feet is literally to assume the position of disciple, someone who means to be mentored, to learn the truth so as to pass on the truth. Now, in Jesus' day, no rabbi would ever let a woman sit at his feet, but Jesus did. So for a woman who was that brassy enough and eager enough and trusting enough to put herself in the position of disciple, Luke says he began to teach. And Luke says she learned and began asking questions as a disciple of the word at his feet. Meanwhile, back in the kitchen, 
Martha has a five-course dinner in the making, and we can just hear her thoughts. Oh, no. The souffle is iffy, and the vegetables need cutting, and the roast needs carving, and the coffee isn't made, and where is that sister of mine? Oh, I hope he likes it. Did I salt those peas? What is she doing in there? <gasps> and the biscuits. Oh, no, I forgot the biscuits. And who does she think she is? And why do I always end up doing everything myself? And before she knows it, she is through the kitchen door into the living room and saying to Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has abandoned me by myself? Why don't you tell her to get herself in the kitchen and give me some help? Whereupon, there's this long pause that always happens after someone blows up. Have you ever noticed that? When everyone in the room tries not to look at anyone, and the only sound you hear is breathing? Well, Mary starts to get up, but Jesus lays a hand on her shoulder, and then he says, Martha, Martha. He says her name twice because that's the gentle way, and maybe because it takes two times to get her to even look at him. Martha, you are anxious. Now, didn't Jesus have a great gift for stating the obvious? You are distracted by many things. That word distracted in Greek means pulled apart. He is saying, dear one, you are all pulled to pieces, aren't you? Trying to stir too many pots at the same time. But a simple meal is fine and a simple choice is fine. Mary has made a choice and she chose well. And neither you or I should take her choice away from her. Now that's where the story, as we have it, concludes. But I'd like to take a closer look at what went wrong here. So let's pause the video, put it on rewind, and we see Martha on this rewinded video looking pretty silly, having her hissy fit. We see her walking backward into the kitchen and unchopping the vegetables and muttering to herself. Now get all the way back, back where she starts her preparations for this meal. And what do you see? What's gone wrong? Now please notice, she has made a choice, a free choice, no one's choice but hers, to undertake a five-course production. No one made her take that choice. She's free to take it and free to change it. And she's free all along to ask for help if she needs it. But all along, she decides to be mad about it and mad at others for not climbing in it with her. Martha, you are freer than you know to choose the course you take and to choose your disposition about the course. Don't forget to take the, your freedom and your responsibility to, for what you have chosen. Now notice that Martha's focus is in fragments, which means she really has no real focus at all. Too many things in her life. Now notice, they are not bad things. She's not cheating or stealing or lying. She's actually heading up the UMW and teaching Sunday school and trying to fix a wonderful meal for a loved guest who's probably been eating lots of fast food. They are all good things she's doing. But there are, are too many, 
too many courses to cook, too many pots to stir, too many directions to be running. A lot like our lives today. So Luke and Jesus say she is pulled apart. But the real split with Martha is not between the oven and the counter and the table. The real split is because her mind is not on her work she's chosen. Part of her had separated into wanting to please, and part of her had separated into wanting to judge. So to begin with, she's trying to do too much because she wants to impress a guest. She has one eye on the asparagus and the other eye on pleasing Jesus. But worse yet, she makes the split on judging someone else. Maybe she's jealous of Mary's time with Jesus, or she thinks Mary is just lazy, or she thinks it's wrong for Mary to assert herself into the world of men. Whatever it is, she has the right to disagree. But she has let it distract her, which is stupid, and it's a waste that all of us fall into when we judge each other. And this is the point of Jesus' rebuke. Our culture judges us by what we do, how much we do, and how well we do it. But if all our activities leave us with no time to be still in the Lord's presence and hear God's words to us, then we are very likely to end up anxious and empty inside with service that brings very little joy. Feeling more like God's employee rather than God's child. The one thing needed for Martha is to receive that gracious presence of Jesus, to listen to his words and know that she is valued not for what she does or how well she does it, but simply because she is a child of God. Let nothing distract you from making the best choice you can. And what is the best choice? How do you choose a way of being that doesn't pull you apart with this kind of resentment and distraction and emptiness? You choose best when you choose to be totally present with Jesus. You don't need to tap dance for Jesus. Your life is not a production or a courtroom or a contest, and you are not here to perform or earn any judge's approval. Your life is a gift. So you live it, and you give it as free and as simply as you can. Here's where Mary has something to teach us. Because Mary has made herself still and focused her heart is at rest and her eyes are fixed on the face of her calling. Christ is the face of all of our callings, no matter how different they are. Christ is the sovereign simplicity in the midst of all our complexities. And you can't sit and listen all the time like Mary any more than you can bustle around all the time like Martha. The point is, it's not superior but Mary's single mind on Christ is crucial, and her life's position, unmovable from his feet, is essential. From that position, you can do hard work 
from the kitchen or the corporate office because all your work is not this chaotic stream of distraction but rises from your inner being as God's child. Your work becomes like the music of your centered self at the feet of Christ. What Jesus was doing that day was not lifting Mary's way over Martha's, but inviting them into an integration. I like to wonder what happened next. So here's how I see it. Jesus says, Martha, the biscuits are burning. And she runs into the kitchen and he comes in next, followed by Mary. And the three of them all work together until it's on the table. And then after dinner, they do the dishes. And for your information, Jesus washes, Mary dries, and Martha puts everything away because she reminds them she's the only one that knows how to do that. And then they go into the living room, and they all sit down side by side with them at his feet. And at one point in the living room on the floor, the two sisters are listening while he spins them a story of God. Martha quietly reaches her hand over and puts her hand on Mary's hand and takes hold of it. There is something like that that needs to happen between some of us here today who are Martha's and Mary's. There is something like that that's waiting to happen today inside my own life and inside your own life. The part that knows how to work hard joining hands with the part that knows how to be still. The part that knows how to listen and learn, to embrace the part and get up and serve. Did you know that Mary and Martha learned from each other? Apparently they did, because you see it beautifully later on in the Gospel of John. Now, near the end of Jesus' life, their brother Lazarus has died, and Jesus comes once again to their town. But this time it's Martha. Martha, who places herself in the presence of Jesus who listens and then makes her proclamation of faith. I believe you are the Christ. Spoken like a true disciple of the word. In the next chapter, he comes again to their home, and it's Mary who serves him with ointment, bathing his feet. So the practical servant grows to be a disciple of the word and a reflective listener learns her servanthood too. So may Jesus come to the house of your life and where you haven't been whole, make you one. One in the sisterhood of worship and work, listening and laboring, seeking and all centered at his feet, looking at his face. The invitation of the Holy Spirit today is to invite Christ into the center of your life. When Christ is just at the margins of our life, he just becomes another one of the distractions. But at the center, life is ordered, integrated, commanded, and calm. Today, you can invite the living God to have that place at the center of your heart. There is really only one thing needed. Attention to our guest.
And it turns out our guest is also our host with abundant gifts to give each of you today and every day for the rest of your life. Pray with me, my friends. Gracious God, keep us in the kind of listening at your feet that will infuse us with strength for consecrated action and keep us in the undistracted work that is never, ever far from prayer. Christ, come and be the center of our being and our doing, and so make us whole and grant us peace. In Jesus' name we pray.